Welcome to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with your hosts, Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. Seniors deserve to have a life with respect, dignity, and fulfillment. But as we transition into elderhood, this doesn't always happen. Join us today as we discuss some of the most important issues that seniors face and provide much-needed answers to your questions. Now, here are Phyllis and Rubina. Welcome to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. I'm Phyllis Amon, your host, here once again with my co-host, Rubina Chaudhry. How are you today, Rubina? I'm well, Phyllis. Good to be talking with you. Likewise, uh, we're still on opposite sides of the country. Neither one of us is uh, traveling anytime soon, so we continue to enjoy each other uh, uh, virtually, I guess. <laughs> yes, and and it's not by desire that we're we're not traveling. At least in uh, in my case, I I am very stressed over not being able to travel right now. Um, uh, I'm well aware yeah. of that, and and I wanted to. Um, I hope you want to uh, share that with the listeners. I think it. There are many people out there feeling yes. what you're feeling and experiencing what you're feeling, experiencing. So you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes, you know, you're so right that so many of uh, us are in these situations and we've heard, uh, you know, stories about uh, people whose uh, parents or whose elder, you know, relatives are not well and they whether they travel, whether they don't travel, how to provide support and not being able to see them. So it's not a new topic, but when it comes home, when it hits home and you're personally impacted, I think that's when you get that real learning or internalizing versus the intellectual assimilation of knowledge and intellectually understanding it. And uh, that's what um, I've been going through and sharing and really appreciating having this uh, format to learn from and to share with you and to learn from you as uh, as I move uh, uh, move through. So you want to, to tell us a little more specifically um, what's yeah, been going on? I'm getting there. Oh, okay. <laughs> it is indeed indeed heavy. I know. Uh, I've shared openly with uh, our listeners that uh, my parents uh, lived in Canada, uh, both 92. Earlier this year in February, I lost my dad at 92. Three days after his funeral, my mom fell and broke her hip, so she's been in rehab since then. I saw her in the hospital at the time of surgery, but I returned before she went to rehab center, so I wasn't able to help her transition. I had thought I would go back a week later, uh, but as you know, and as our listeners know, that with the COVID-19 pandemic and the restrictions on travel, I was not able to go. So, so everything from the guilt onwards, mm. you know, every feeling I have felt, um, and, uh, and they've been all over the spectrum, you know. Uh, what happened if she passes? Would I be mm. able to travel? Would I be able to go? What? How can I, you know? And I try to rationalize 
you know, that it's, I'm not the only one. Many people go through this that are not able to be there, but I'm fortunate for whatever the opportunities I have had right. uh, to be with my parents and to, and to serve my parents. But yet, you know, each day brings new, new concerns. And uh, about four weeks ago, I was talking with one of the nursing staff at the rehab center uh, and I made a call and said, you know, I'd, I'm so concerned and sad that I'm not able to see my mom. That was about two months into her rehab. And she said, you know, we have uh, a couple of iPads and uh, maybe you can book uh, a meeting. And I did. And believe me, I was so nervous before my first time seeing my mom mm. uh, on FaceTime. And that actually opened up a new, uh, uh, more calmer time for me because I've been able to now talk with her, I think, three times. Fourth time is tomorrow because there were a couple times, Mother's Day and then other week that uh, they were booked up and I couldn't get uh, on their schedule because they book every half hour. And, uh, you know, so I'm going through that <coughs> and... Um, Hope was, excuse me, that she would be well enough and go back to assisted living. But I learned last week, um, near the end of the week, is that mom's dementia is uh, progressing rather quickly. Mm. And uh, she will not be able to go back to assisted living. So mm -hmm. it's been recommended that she go to um, a nursing home. May I just, uh, you know, I believe a while ago we even talked about how sometimes uh, the dementia can progress more rapidly after a fall. And also when people are not in their usual routine or have their usual visits from family and, um, when you told me, um, I think it was on last week's show or the week before, that um, she was becoming a little more disoriented and confused. Um, you know, that's a, a, a sign when obviously an assisted living situation may not be appropriate any longer. Right. And, and the, you know, people in the assisted living uh, place were just, are, are just so supportive and uh, and I, and I respect their decision that that they don't have the the staffing support to right. uh, to you know to help mom. So that uh, triggers a whole new set of thoughts, conditions, situations, etc. While we're waiting for mom to be assigned to a um, a senior home, I have to. Um, vacate mom's apartment oh in assisted living home and uh, uh yes you weren't aware of that <laughs> no i no and that's that's obviously um going to be um um i don't want to say problematic but that's a conundrum in a way if if you can't it's, travel how is that going to be accomplished i know you have friends uh who who live near where her assisted living facility is and some family i believe correct yes yes actually the the staff especially the director of care and the nurses at the 
at the assisted living facility have been very helpful. And I've been talking with the director of care and uh, they're going to help me by offering what small items that other residents may want and uh, also seeing if there may be somebody in need, perhaps a woman in need Mm -hmm. who can use some of the larger items. Mm -hmm. You know, my mom loved to cook and she has her whole kitchen. Oh. uh, You know, uh, nicely equipped kitchen there. You know, so um, so they're going to help with that. And then uh, uh, my cousin offered that what else is left, then he will come uh, with uh, himself and his truck and his, uh, you know, then will help with that. So, but it was a big stressor uh, for a couple of days, you know, so how was I going to do that? Um, so, you know, one part is logistics, but the other part is... Uh, you know, we spend a lifetime gathering these things. Hmm. And True. at the end, <laughs> you know, and I saw the same thing happening with my aunt a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, this wonderful, vibrant lady, my special aunt, she lived on a farm. And, and at the end, it was, you know, just a few pieces of clothing mm. and, uh, and a bed to, bed to sleep in. And um, I was, you know, as I said, my favorite, favorite aunt. And this, my cousin is her son. Uh, so it it makes me think a lot about me and my life and, and the priorities and, and all that. And, and thank you for, for listening. I no, hope I, I haven't talked for too long. No, I know. It's, I think it's, it's helpful and it's valuable not only for you to be able to express it, but for listeners who may be f- having the same feelings and going through what you're going through or went through it and um, can identify with it. Um, it's interesting what you say about, um, you know, when you realize uh, what's important. I've been through different stages. Yeah, we've all been through different stages sure. in our lives. And I've come to that at different points. And then I seem to kind of revert to where I was before. But this time, uh, now that we've had this extended stay and uh, thinking about this virus and vulnerability and um you know, I, I've, I've just yesterday I spoke with someone, a former colleague who told me someone we knew passed away um, from the virus. And um, and so I've started to think about that, um, think about that as well. Um, you know, like you say, we accumulate all these things and really what's important and, you know, what's important is our well-being, our health, our relationships, um, and I know that you're you're glad that you still have that connection with your mom, even though she's so far away. And that must be, you know, somewhat difficult because her situation is changing. Yes. And um, the connection isn't the same when you speak with her, I would imagine. It is not. I can see the situation changing. And uh, I can see it changing. And it, it's her changing situation and... Um, you know, my connecting with her that really helped us propel the to- the project that you have been talking for a long time and I've been talking 
with you for several months now, that is to provide tablets for senior facilities and you have a GoFundMe page and uh, we are already working on an an initiative here in in the West Coast to provide tablets uh, or iPads uh, for uh, nursing facilities so that the residents can communicate with their family like I was able to communicate with my mom. And then follow on to that... uh, as part of our project, the first thing I wanted to do was to, you know, donate some more to the facilities where my mom is. Mm-hmm. So I uh, reached out and uh, the recreation coordinator called me and she spoke with her leadership. And I got this beautiful email from their director of care, a wonderful lady, saying how appreciative they would be to get another iPad. Mm-hmm. They would prefer an iPad because most of their families have iPhones so they can use FaceTime. Mm-hmm. And they have right now two iPads and one tablet that they're using for 136 or 40 or something beds. Oh, uh, can I just interject something sure. um, when you say that? Because people have said to me, Oh, but facilities have uh, devices. And I say, yes, but how many do they have? And therefore, being the limited number, how often can residents have FaceTime connections with their families? And that was the reason that I, um, that was one of the impetus, the impetus. That was the impetus of one of them, actually, Mm -hmm, behind mm -hmm. the GoFundMe Senior Connections Matter is to provide more so there can be more frequent connections. Because, like you said, there were times when you couldn't have a connection because they scheduled them and they didn't have enough devices. Yeah, that happened for two weeks out of the five weeks that I've been communicating with mom. And uh, so I'm making plans to deliver one a donation of one iPad to them. Uh, I'm hoping it'll happen this week. It's in process. And I'm also, you know, we talk about my old, old iPad that's sitting in my cousin's house that didn't get de- delivered <laughs> to. So Wait, I'm making Katina, we're still talking about that we're iPad. About that, but <laughs> so I am, I am saying at the same time, <laughs> this cousin, please take that one also so mom can have her personal iPad. You know, so that when anybody from the family calls, because, you know, I have a a cousin, her niece, who she's close to, and she, in my conversation, she asked me, you know, take me to her house, arrange for me to take me to her, I know you're far away, but she's near away, near, you know, so she can talk, so though, but anyway, that is what I'm trying to do, and I um, received this very nice email from the director of care, and she was sharing what are some of the other things that they are doing, not only for their, uh, uh, for their residents, their, um, but for their staff. Mm-hmm. And that was the impetus for us to focus on how can we as families support our healthcare workers because they are our frontline workers. And uh, that is our reason for uh, the, this show and the topic that our healthcare work, workers are stretched and stressed. Right. And how can we as families and as communities uh, honor them 
thank them and and support them. So can you just give us, uh, we have about uh, two minutes, I think, two or three minutes before the break. Can you just give us uh, one or two ideas of uh, how families can support the healthcare workers in these facilities? Uh, yes, I will share with you what uh, the director of care shared, what they're doing. Uh, and the, they have a, a wall, a thank you wall, where people uh-huh. can write notes and uh, to the to the residents as well as to uh, staff, uh, thank you cards. And she's saying today the manage, manager served the staff free lunch to show appreciation for their work. I thought that was so so nice, mm-hmm. and uh, they're they've received donations of cloth masks, which, you know, we have done right. locally in California. And they've received some treats and some cash to spend for staff appreciation through their social committee. So they oh, actually great. have a social committee and, and they, that's manned by staff. And I think that's such a wonderful idea because when you're working that hard, uh, just a, a cup of coffee and a, a pastry or, or a piece of fruit or something available read, readily, I think, would go a long way. Absolutely. But having to go to the cafeteria for, for lunch. Ab- so absolutely. Absolutely. So those are some of the things that uh, that they're they're doing. And, I, I was uh, going to say along those lines, people can probably send um, gift cards to local restaurants or uh, order, you know, um, agree to order food or pay sure. for food for a certain number of, of staff members or for a particular staff member that works with their loved one or on a unit where their loved one is living. Uh, I think there are many things that people can do and they... Uh, they, mm-hmm. It just takes a little thinking and a little creativity of, you know, how can you show somebody appreciation from a distance for the work that they're doing? You know, for me, you know, it's everything about food. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it nourishes us. Right. It, it, it helps us connect. It, uh, you know, holds us together. And uh, I'm hopeful that in the near future, I will be doing something like that for that facility, as well as the assisted living facility where my mom usually used to live. Well, that's and, I ha- and I have done things similar for my mom's assisted living facility when I go and visit. Well, I think that's great. And I hope that uh, listeners will um, get some ideas from this and and think about it. And we're going to take a short break. And when we return to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy on the Voice of America Empowerment Channel, we'll continue our conversation about um, what we can do for our healthcare workers. So we'll be back soon. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Phyllis Heyman, the voice for elder care advocacy, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones in short-term rehab, long-term care, or memory care. Her unique knowledge comes from working in over 40 skilled nursing facilities. Phyllis's passion for quality care and quality of life for our loved ones sets her apart. She encourages families to plan by choice, not by crisis. Visit phyllisheldercare.info for a consultation. Phyllis is also a speaker for both the public and private sector on various issues related to caregiving, communication, empathy, and aging. 
Rabina Chaudhry is president and founder of Mars Services, an engineering management consulting firm, as well as founder and president of Olive Community Services, a 501c3, which provides culturally appropriate supportive services to seniors, their families, and the community. Rabina's passion for the elder population stems from her experience as an only child living over 1,000 miles away from her aging parents, who are now 91 years of age. She understands the delicate issues and decisions caregivers face. Visit olivecs.org to get further information about Olive's programs and services. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email your hosts from the Voices for Elder Care Advocacy show page on Voice America. Now, back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Welcome back, uh, Phyllis and our listeners. And I have one request of our listeners. We're talking about how we can appreciate our healthcare workers. And if any of you have ideas, please share them with us. And you could email us uh, at uh, email host at Voice America Empowerment Channel, or you could uh, email at info, I-N-F-O, at olivecs.org. And we would welcome your suggestions, and then we can share it with others, and hopefully we can together uh, support our healthcare workers. And Phyllis, you are a healthcare worker. Yes, I am. Uh, yes, you were for many, many years. Can you share with us, first of all, what is it that touches you, that, that has touched you, that somebody has done for you? as a hmm. healthcare worker? Hmm, it's a good question. Um, actually, it was uh, not that many years ago. And, um, well, there are a couple of things. Um, there were not so many years ago, I was in a facility and um, I had met this gentleman, a very interesting gentleman. We got into a conversation about foreign countries, and I, I had said that I danced, and I had been to Argentina. I think he had a, a, a son that uh, um, had traveled overseas for dancing. And uh, one day I came, and he brought me a, uh, a bottle of uh, red wine from Argentina. It was very touching. Oh. Um, I, I remember that one. Um, mm-hmm. I think... Um, I think that most uh, most of the um, most of the uh, satisfaction, I'd say, or, or joy, um, I've gotten. You know, people give you things here and there, and uh, you, you know, you you show your appreciation. I, I think most recently, I had this gentleman, and um, he he um, didn't have family, and I was. I was working with him. I came to this facility. He actually was a patient who couldn't breathe on his own. Mm-hmm. And um, I, um, 
he told me that, you know, he, he wished he had some things to work with. He had a radio, but the batteries didn't work. And mm-hmm. he uh, used to enjoy coloring or artwork. And so I went out and I bought batteries for him and, and uh, this coloring book with with um, marker markers. And um, when I would come to his room, he would show me, you know, these, these pictures that he made. They were absolutely exquisite. Um, it just... It just made me feel so good that, um, you know, that he wanted to show it to me and that I was able to give that to him. Mm-hmm. And um, he was so happy listening to his radio. And um, I, I, I think the most joy I've gotten is from when I've seen how people responded to the things that I was able to do for them. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So what uh, would you like to share with us? about healthcare workers and uh, and your thoughts and think that you how do you think we can support you and your colleagues who are really at the forefront of this pandemic and uh, and supporting or you know as somebody had said front they're the front line right now in this <laughs> battle in this they, battle they really are the front line and um it's interesting. Uh, a lot of people, uh, or even through the news, you know, they talked about doctors and nurses, respiratory therapists, and you know, in talking about healthcare and hospitals. And I've been, you know, drive up and down the highway, and I see bill, big billboards from hospitals about nurses, and uh, not many people um, think about the healthcare workers in nursing homes. Very, very dedicated people, and. Um, some of them work in have to work in two facilities to make ends meet because uh, some sometimes the uh, pay scale isn't uh, commensurate with a li- with what they need to to live. And um, I think one of the the important things for me is that we recognize healthcare workers in nursing homes. There was a grocery store near me. I was there about a week or so ago, and they had this. Uh, they were asking for donations of uh, kind bars or any kind of health bar mm-hmm. for hospital workers mm-hmm. and health uh, healthcare workers, hospital workers, first responders, uh, you know, EMT, whatever. And I asked them, well, what about um, healthcare workers that work in nursing homes? They looked at me like they said, oh, we really never thought of that. Mm-hmm. I said, that's I didn't I realized that's why I asked you and I asked them if we could add that to the sign and they uh-huh. said well they really weren't in authority to do that they'd have to ask the corporate office which I thought was uh, pretty interesting because in that vicinity there were s- several skilled nursing facilities which I'm sure has lots of healthcare workers uh-huh. so I, I think it's important for for us to acknowledge the fact that healthcare workers in nursing homes um, it's it's almost a thankless job especially for a certified nurse aides who do uh-huh. the bulk of and the lion's share of the work and a lot of it is backbreaking uh-huh. and they're usually the lowest end of the pay scale and mm-hmm. often um, not regarded um, highly, which mm-hmm. is unfortunate. So I would say, um, you know, I've been talking a lot about this and thinking a lot about this for quite some time, uh, that if uh, it has to come from the top. And, it, you know, a lot of people talk about how care in, in nursing homes is, is less than adequate and, um, you know, less than respectful in some cases. Um, 
and I say, well, a lot of people do this because they 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 are they come to this because of a passion, right? They <laughs> this is a calling, and some people not everybody's different. Uh, but I say it has to come from the top. So I've told this story many times over the years. I've written about it. People are probably sick of who know me sick of hearing this story. <laughs> but it's about this owner. And I mm-hmm. worked for him as a speech pathologist in the early 2000s. And uh, one day I was in this building and um, this gentleman came up to me. I had never seen him before, but I kind of got the idea who he might be. And he asked my name, what I did there, introduced himself as the owner. We chatted for a few minutes. And I was really stunned because nobody had ever uh, shown me that kind of um, acknowledgement before, um, really, or they would walk by and, and mm-hmm. not really pay much attention. And then I uh, watched him and he stopped. Um, he talked with um, nurse aides. He talked with nurses. Uh, he talked with residents. He knew their names, asked them questions about their life. You know, how's your mother? How was your vacation? Um, that kind of thing. Asked mm-hmm. residents if they had any input, what they needed. And he, this gentleman did rounds, as we say, when you tour uh, the facility. Mm-hmm with the administrator uh, in on every unit four times a week. Needless to say, mm. uh, the, the staff was incredibly loyal to him, and the care they provided to the residents was, I would almost say, commensurate with the care that they, they felt they received from him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I've been thinking about this for many, many years and uh, speak with administrators and, and operators, owners, about how can you show the staff that you care about them? How can you include them? How can you give them a voice um, in the process uh, rather than that they're just a worker over there to provide care for those people over there? You know, it's a lot of those people. And I... I um, I've developed trainings around this uh, mm-hmm. to help people understand how to lead, how to create um, more effective uh, management teams, um, create more staff inclusion and giving people voice and, and showing them that they are an important part of the process. Mm-hmm. I think that would go a long way for healthcare workers to feel job satisfaction, feel good about you know, what they're doing, why they're doing it. And I think there would be less turnover if mm-hmm. they did. Continue. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, yes. You know, that's very good. I was agreeing with you. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry uh, to interrupt you. Know, you. Continue. Uh, so yeah, it's all about, um, you know, we all have human needs. So it's, it's really based on human needs. And we talk about, uh, person-centered care, it seems like that would be obvious. Um, I wrote this article, person-centered care is more than a buzzword, because I think sometimes it's just a word people throw around, but I don't know if it's really embraced in, uh, 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 you know, in the true meaning of the word, um, which is understanding what motivates people, what they need. You know, we all need security and compassion and inclusion and um, autonomy. And um, how can you find out what those things are to each individual and help to provide that for, for them? And the same goes for the staff. You know, I'm not saying there should be a free-for-all, 
I mean, there has to be order. Um, I, um, I'm certified as, uh, in Montessori for dementia, and uh, a lot of the teachings of Dr. Montessori, Maria Montessori, uh, kind of go along with that. It's about dignity, about respect, mm-hmm. it's about inclusion, it's about autonomy and, and um, giving people voice. And it, it, my children went to Montessori school. I think that's how I started to really realize, you know, how could that be adopted for Mm-hmm. nursing homes. And, and uh, Dr. Cameron Camp developed the uh, program Montessori for Dementia. Mm-hmm. And it was really um, once I wrote about it in my second book and then met him that I really started thinking about how this applies to leadership and management and and staff. Um, Phyllis, I, I admire you for the, the championship and the and the and the initiatives that you're showing in this uh, in this area and the energy that you have, you know, um, I was in the last few hours researching for our conversation and I came across an uh, an article, or rather guidelines from CDC Center for Disease Control for uh, healthcare personnel and first responders on how to cope with stress and build resilience Uh during the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, you Google and you can usually find many things they're looking for. But I came across a term that I had not heard of or acknowledged, and that's compassion fatigue. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'd like you to talk a little bit about, you're very familiar with that term, talk a little bit about your understanding of uh, compassion fatigue. And then if you can take that into into empathy and the the word empathy that you have recently coined and uh, and trademarked, you know, self-care, and if you would share that with us. Uh, sure, and uh, I'm I'm glad that you brought that up because, um, I, and I I know we talked about this briefly before the show when you said you came across this term, uh, because I, I'm I don't know if you identify with it, but certainly people in healthcare, um, as well as caregivers. Um, you know, it's it's very exhausting. It's emotionally exhausting. It's physical exhausting, and um, you know, sometimes as the result of it, the, there are there are um, you know, it's almost like you become numb to certain situations and um, mm-hmm. you disconnected sometimes from the suffering of others. Um, I would say, especially as a healthcare worker. I don't want you to say you become disconnected from it, but um, how can I is it say? A, is, it a, is, is it perhaps a coping mechanism? It is. A, I would say in a way it is. It is a coping mechanism. Um, I remember once a few years ago, it's a number of years ago now, I was in a, a facility and um, this family member came to talk with me and she was appalled that when she went to the nurse's station, people were laughing and joking and talking about all kinds of ridiculousness. And I said, and she felt they didn't care. I said, that's not the case at all. They, we're around this all the time, around very serious illnesses and, and people who pass away and people that we do get attached to, to some people more than others. You know, you make connections. And um, it's, it's a coping mechanism. Um, you know, I, I've worked on um, 
I've said this before, my passion uh, was and specialty was working with people who are ventilator dependent. Many of them aren't even aren't responsive. And you just have to find a way to cope. Um, so, you know, like when people pass away, you can't um, lose yourself in every person that passes away because you have to continue working. So in that way, I guess it is a coping mechanism, but then there is a disconnected distancing that happens as a result of that too, which is kind of the negative side of it, I would say. Mm-hmm. You know, I you alluded to me and my situation, and I can definitely feel it. I just didn't put the the name to it. But as caregivers, you feel the compassion uh, fatigue. You definitely do. And actually, we've done a couple of uh, shows on on caregiver support as well. Uh, And uh, what are some of the things that uh, people can do? One or two simple things. Um, One or two simple things, I would say, is... um Taking deep breaths. Now, you and I do this before the show. I'm happy to share um, with Mm -hmm. our listeners that, uh, you know, it's just a way of releasing that tension. And it does give you a sense of relaxation. I know it does for me. Um, So if people can just take a minute or two or or three minutes uh, at different times in, in the day and just take some very deep breaths, that could be very helpful. Um. I would say even if you can turn on your favorite song for two or three minutes and find joy in that, that can replenish you. A- anything like that that you can do. Um, I have a, um, I just downloaded recently an app on the phone. It's a meditation app. I'm not getting all, you know, mm-hmm. in the week, you know, um, <laughs> funny about it, but it's five minutes and I do it in the morning. And I have to say, it's such a simple thing. I don't even realize when the five minutes are over. It just makes me feel uh, refreshed. Thank um, you. Those Love are it. some ideas that I have. Now, those are those are very, very good ideas. And especially the breathing. I just want, want to stress that. Not even three minutes, even three breaths help. Right. Just even three breaths breaths help. At this point, we will take our break and return to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy on Voice America Empowerment Channel. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Phyllis Heyman, the voice for elder care advocacy, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones in short-term rehab, long-term care, or memory care. Her unique knowledge comes from working in over 40 skilled nursing facilities. Phyllis's passion for quality care and quality of life for our loved ones sets her apart. She encourages families to plan by choice, not by crisis. Visit phyllisheldercare.info for a consultation. Phyllis is also a speaker for both the public and private sector on various issues related to caregiving, communication, empathy, and aging. 
Rubina Chaudhry is president and founder of Mars Services, an engineering management consulting firm, as well as founder and president of Olive Community Services, a 501c3, which provides culturally appropriate supportive services to seniors, their families, and the community. Rubina's passion for the elder population stems from her experience as an only child living over 1,000 miles away from her aging parents, who are now 91 years of age. She understands the delicate issues and decisions caregivers face. Visit olivecs.org to get further information about Olive's programs and services. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy with Phyllis Amon and Rubina Chaudhry. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email your hosts from the Voices for Elder Care Advocacy show page on Voice America. Now, back to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Welcome back. And Phyllis, we are talking about a very heavy, heavy topic. So let's... uh, uh, two of us and all the listeners, let's take three breaths. Oh, great idea. Lead us into three deep breaths. Okay, so, you know, try and relax your body as much as possible. Take a deep, deep breath. I call it a belly breath. It's like diaphragmatic breathing so that all the air rushes to the base of your lungs. You can hear, feel your stomach expand. And then... Let it out. And let's do it again. Breathe in. Breathe out. And one more nice deep breath. Breathe in. And breathe out. I don't know about you, but I feel a lot more relaxed. I do. I do. Thank you. And let's now introduce or reintroduce the topic of empathy. Sure. So I was actually, um, I was doing some workshops um, and I had developed some activities um, in these workshops and um, um I don't know. It just came up about uh, why don't you uh, why don't you come up with a word that talks about uh, some of the activities you're doing that that help oneself. And I said, great idea. And that's how I came up with it. It was as simple as that. You know, you get ideas from all different people if you just open your ears and open your mind. Actually, the person who said it to me was a guest on our show uh, early in earlier in the year, James Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about uh, mindfulness and uh, meditation and yoga and all of that. Um, you know, when you asked me about um, about um, empathy and self-compassion and all of that, there's actually a um, mindfulness goes along with that, you know, being present. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think sometimes we forget, we, we just let our reactions take over and we're not really present in the moment. And there's a... Um, a um, a workbook. It's by uh, Bob Stahl and Alicia Goldstein. It's called the Mindfulness Based Based Stress Reduction Workshop, 
and has many activities in there that can be helpful for people. One of them is something called the STOP technique, and I call it momentary mindfulness. And it reminds me of, uh, we've all, I'm sure, heard this when you're in the throes of a situation, whether it's an argument or you feel angry about something, you know, count to 10, right? Mm-hmm. We've, all, we've all had that. And this is kind of that, con- that con- based on that concept, it's stop. You know, um, stop what you're doing, pay attention to how you're feeling, what you're thinking, and stop the tendency to react negatively. Take a deep breath or use some breathing technique. There are many different ones. Um, You know, a helpful practice when you're doing this, it might be to say a peaceful thought out loud or in your mind repeatedly so that you're kind of replacing the negative thought with a, a different thought like you're refocusing yourself in a different place. Um, Observe what you're experiencing in your mind and body as well as what you're feeling emotionally. And when you're settled, you know, then then go forward. And I've I've practiced this. Um, Sometimes I should have practiced it when I didn't Mm -hmm. Um, because we're all a work in progress, right? Of course, yes. And um, when I have practiced it, I have found it to be very helpful. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I certainly have practiced it myself too. And uh, one of the, one of the small things that I've done uh, when talking to talking to people and talking about the the self care aspect is, you know, to to have a reminder for yourself. You know, whether it's a word or a phrase or something that you can uh, uh, use at particular time that reminds you to take a breath, to relax, to relax and to mm. to be mindful and to pre- be present. And one of the things that I remember and I often share is, you know, the Bert and Ernie from uh, yes. uh, Sesame Street, right? And your tie string around your little finger to, right. remi- to remember some things. You know, right. and whether it's a yellow sticky on your computer screen or whether it's, a, you know, something where you can see it so that you're reminded because it's situations of stress and of uh, of being stretched where we forget these simple tools. I agree. And, and actually, people can um, they could set a reminder on their phone if they wanted to mm-hmm. um, every even if it's not in a situation, but every two or three hours, just set a little reminder to, to take a few moments. Uh, I just wanted to tell our listeners the app that I refer to is called Insight Timer. That's mm-hmm. Insight, like the word Insight and Timer. And they have this, uh, there's no cost. And it just is this five-minute meditation. It's, this, it's the simplest thing. There's another, um, something I had come across um, when I was doing research and writing this article and doing research on resilience, I had come across this woman who, um, it's kind of a, I think it's a, comes from the Buddhist, Buddhist, um, chants. And, um, I had recommended this to several people also that if you could just, you know, relax yourself, take a breath and chant like four, um, short phrases, uh, may I be happy, may I be healthy, may I be at safe, may I be safe, may I be at peace. And if you, and if you chant that several times, there's, there's almost a rhythm 
that mm-hmm. that comes to it that is um, that is very relaxing if mm-hmm. you do it repeatedly for probably if I don't know how many times you would do it in a minute or 30 seconds but it's the easiest thing and you find yourself just becoming relaxed and going with that you know that that rhythm mm-hmm. very very important and uh, I refer to the CDC guidelines uh, for uh, you know, on how to cope with stress and build resilience during the COVID-19 pandemic. And I encourage uh, listeners to, you know, Google it and find it. It's readily available on the internet. But some of the suggestions there are that you communicate with your coworkers and supervisors and employees that you are feeling job stress. And sometimes just talking with each other is uh, is very helpful because then you can together uh, help overcome the situation. You know, two, two people working on one so resolving one situation is easier than one trying to do it. Uh, I agree. Uh, it's interesting that you said that because when I was in this uh, facility several months ago, at the the incipient stages of the uh, virus, when um, you know we were just starting to hear about shutdowns, possible shutdowns, uh, New York City, uh, this area. I remember my daughter texting me once she lives in Westchester uh in New York um you know they're going to shut down the 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 county I mean it it, it was a very stressful time yeah it, and, it did no go ahead yeah and I want to read some of the other suggestions from the CDC guidelines uh, can, can I should I just finish this for one moment sure. you finish your thought yes and um and I remember suggesting that the administrator, which goes harkens to what I was saying earlier about it starts at the top. I was suggested that she meet with the staff f- even five minutes, maybe a couple of times a week at a nurse's station. It didn't have to be some big formal event. And just ask people how they were feeling, what they what their concerns were, what their fears were. Tell them what her fears were for the facility, for them, for the residents, and and in her personal life. And in doing that, you know, you create a a more open line of communication. There's a different kind of bond there. People um, feel like they belong, that they matter. They never did it. And I I thought they went very wrong in, Uh in that because... Uh, people were very stressed out, and one person just uh, that I knew very closely, and I know her for many years, she just stopped coming to work. She just said she couldn't do it anymore. So that adds another stressor because then uh, then they're short-staffed, and Correct. the ones that are left behind, they have to pick up uh, pick up uh, for the other person who is not able to come. <sighs> it really, indeed, is. Uh, is a big concern and a big topic. So some of the other tips that uh, CDC is giving is, in addition to communicating with uh, each other is reminding that uh, that everyone is in an unusual situation right now mm-hmm. and be, you know, somewhat understanding of it and uh, identify and accept those things which you have no control over. And sometimes acceptance goes a lot way, long way to to being able to serve. Right. Recognize that you are fulfilling a crucial role and you are doing the best that you can. There is no such thing as perfection. You are doing the best that you can. And um, and because 
you know, stick with your daily routine of self-care. I think that's the biggest, biggest uh, combatant to this. Get your adequate sleep. Eat healthy meals. And right. maybe that's that's where those of us that are looking for ways to support is can, in, you know, provide some healthy meals or, or you know, and uh, and take uh, take breaks as you said, take uh, meditation breaks or take breathing breaks, uh, uh, and just uh, just know that uh, we're grateful for what you're doing. Mm. That's what I want I'm, to add. That's I want to add personally that that we are truly grateful. For what you're doing, and uh, I, it's. Uh, I'm glad you used the word grateful because that's something. That, another thing that people can really incorporate into their into their day. Um, I actually do it in the morning. As sometimes I don't remember to do it in the evening. It depends if I just fall asleep. But you know, when you wake up in the morning, just three things that you that you're grateful for or thankful for it could be very simple like you're going to have your favorite breakfast it it just puts you in a different frame of mind is what i'm saying mm-hmm. it it you start to think positively about something that's that's in front of you and the same thing at the end of the day if you can there are people that suggest writing it down in a journal or in an app there there are apps for that too but uh, to reflect on the day and think about uh, it, it could be something simple like um, oh my god I finally got a pedicure <laughs> you know <laughs> it puts you in a different frame of mind is what I'm saying it helps you think positively instead of you know you're dealing with so much negativity how can you shift that how could you Change you know, your focus. One thought that just comes to my mind, and going back to the facility where my mom is, they have a social committee for the staff. For the staff, do you think it's appropriate for the staff social committee to come up with recommendations and then share with the families? I would think that would be proactive way. And then those of us who want to support, and I'm sure there are many families who would love to and looking for ways, then we would know, you know, what uh, what really it is that they would uh, they need. I I think that is great. Um, I don't know. I know that facility is in Canada. I don't right. know uh, what it what the like rules or regulations would be for that here because I don't know if you can ask people for things. Um, I guess there yeah. are ways of doing that if you want to support your healthcare workers or or something or other. Um, I'm sure there are ways of wording that, but I think mm-hmm. that's a great idea because who knows better what they need than what the people need. who need it. Exactly, and and maybe you and I can give some thought to that and uh, and see how... Uh, you know, how we could come up with more ideas that are more applicable. From this one, the idea I got is the kind bars and nutrition bars. That wasn't on my list of things. Oh, interesting. But it would be, it would be nice to have something to just grab and go. Right. It's healthy and it's nutritious and it, it, it gives you that uh, that jump. And uh, um, so I, I, I got that. Thank you. Oh, great. And... Um Especially now, people are challenged with what can they what can they give to a facility? You know, everything has yes. to be wrapped or or uh, inspected or or whatever. So there, uh, that's something that's uh, easy where nobody there's no question about um, you know you even if you send a box of kind bars um, or whatever your favorite nutrition yeah, bar is that would be helpful. I, 
Hey, I got I got the ideas. Thank you so much, Phyllis, for sharing your insight, and want to thank our listeners uh, for being with us again. And uh, again, want to thank our healthcare providers. Uh, and uh, we look forward to talking with you very soon. This is Rabina Chaudhary and Phyllis Amen on Voices for Elder Care Advocacy on Voice America Empowerment Channel. Thank you for listening this week to Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. Please join your hosts, Phyllis Amon and Robina Chaudhry, again next Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.